You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. Well, we got a lot of ground to cover in about 20 minutes here or so. Uh, So buckle up today. We're going to move quickly through Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. So if you want to get your Bible out, want to pull out your phone, go to your uh, Bible app and go to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to work quickly uh, through 23 verses today. But before I jump into that, I saw Terry Vanderford back here. Terry, praying for you, the loss of your mom. I don't know if your brothers are in the room this hour. I think they're usually on this side. But uh, we're praying for the Cash family and the loss of your mom this week, the funeral on on Tuesday there. And so can I pray with you guys really quick and thankful for your family faithfulness to Antioch for many years um, and uh, thankful that we have the hope we have in Christ and that your mom knew that hope. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. For the Cash family, um, thank you for the Vanderford family who's been faithful, part of Antioch for many, many years. And uh, I pray that you would comfort their family through this season of loss and may you be near to them as you promised that in Psalms that you're near to the brokenhearted. And so I pray that they would sense your presence and your nearness to them during this season. I pray for the funeral on Tuesday and the viewing and the the funeral itself, that all that would go well, that there'd be time of reconnection and time of of just remembering a life well lived. And so we give their family to you. Um, Thank you for a church family that we can rejoice with those who rejoice. So we can stand here today with Marcus and Kayla and, and praise you and celebrate you, but we can also weep with those who weep. And so thank you that we can weep with the Cash and Vanderford family this week and know that you're present in both of those moments. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been working as a church family through the book of Matthew. If you're newer to our church family, uh, we're going verse by verse through the book of Matthew. We're on our second year of working through it because we'll work on it for a season and then we'll do some other things and come back to it. And so just to sort of get us caught up today because we're entering a pivotal moment in the book of Matthew in Matthew chapter 13, I want to remind you of a few things. The first, I want to remind you of the theme of the book of Matthew. Can anybody tell me what the theme of the book of Matthew is? Jesus is king. That is right. Jesus is king. So every chapter in the book of Matthew, you, you, you should begin to see it now. It's jumping off of the pages that Matthew to his mainly Jewish audience is saying, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the king. He, has, he is the one that you have been waiting for. And page after page, chapter after chapter, verse after verse, we're seeing that Jesus is king. Matthew chooses to summarize the book of Matthew with Jesus' final words in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And I want you to notice this, these terms all. And we've mentioned this, but just again, getting us 
in line with the book of Matthew, notice that only a king would speak the way Jesus speaks here. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Only a king could say, I have all authority. And you're to go to all nations because I have all authority and make disciples. And when you make disciples, you're not just to teach them some of my teachings. You're to teach them all of my teachings because I am the king. And so in three verses, Matthew uses the words of Jesus to summarize the whole book of Matthew. All authority, all nations, all teachings. Matthew is so kind to us in his writings of this book to outline it for us by five key teachings of Jesus. You'll see this in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 28. He makes this same statement over and over again. And so it's literary outline for us so we can see the flow of the book of Matthew. So he finishes Jesus' teachings with when Jesus had finished, 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 right? And it's clues for us that this is the outline of the book, that it's going to be following these key teachings of Jesus. So we saw in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 that Jesus taught us what it means to be a part of the kingdom of heaven, what it means to be a part of a king who is ruling and what that looks like in our life, both practically to be that and to do that. What is it to be a part of the kingdom of heaven? Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Then in Matthew chapter 10, we saw that Jesus pulls his disciples together and he says, I'm going to send you out as, wool, as sheep amongst wolves and I'm going to send you to spread the message of the kingdom. And so Jesus sends them out into their villages, into the highways and byways to take the good news of the gospel, the good news that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So repent and believe in him. And then we come to this third teaching section of Jesus today in Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to spend the next three Sundays in this one chapter. Obviously, it's pretty long. 53 verses there is where we'll end. And so this Sunday, I'll cover one parable. And then Pastor Todd's going to cover three parables. And then I'll come back and finish it out with four parables. And then we'll jump into missions week, um, come the week's following that. So we come to this third teaching section of Jesus known as the parables of the kingdom. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gives us eight parables. The parable of the soil, the parable of weeds, the parable of net, mustard seed, yeast, treasure, pearl, and homeowner. The first four, he's going to direct to the crowd. And the next four parables, he will direct towards his disciples. So look with me in Matthew chapter 13. And we'll begin in verse 1. It says this, that same day. So what same day are we talking about? If you were here last week, this should take you back to Matthew chapter 12. Remember, Jesus is in a house. And he's teaching, and it's so crowded in there that his mother and his sister and his brothers want to talk to him. 
but they can't get to him. So they get the word through the crowd to Jesus and say to Jesus, hey, your, your mother and your brothers want to talk to you. And Jesus is like, well, who is my mother and my brothers? He says, those who do the will of my father, that's my brothers and sister and my mother. Basically saying to be a part of the family of God means to do the will of the father. And what's the will of the father? That we would believe in Jesus. That we would follow this king. That we would follow this Messiah. So this is the same day. So Jesus has been in a house teaching. He's been in a house talking with these this crowd of people and he goes out of the house and he sat beside the sea this is the sea of galilee and verse 2 and great crowds gathered about him so jesus got a posse following with him wherever he goes so he got into a boat and he sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach so remember from the sermon on the mount that if a teacher sat down he was showing his authority because everyone else would stand. Totally opposite of how we view teaching today, right? You, as the students, quote unquote, sit down and the teacher stands up. Where in Bible times, in Jesus' time, the opposite was true. The teacher would sit down to show that he had the authority and the students would stand around. So as Jesus sees this big crowd around him, he gets into the boat, which is genius of Jesus, because why? When he gets into the boat, the, the water behind him would act as a megaphone to get his word out. So as he's teaching, the water would be using it as a, a bouncing off to get the word farther out to the crowd that was listening to him. And he sits down and he begins to teach them. And look at verse 3. And he told them many things in parables. This is why this section is known as the parables of the kingdom because Jesus teaches all in Matthew 13 all along the lines of parables. Now, what is a parable? The word parables itself means to lay something alongside something else. So like the literal translation of the word, the literal idea of the word is to put one thing next to another thing. That's a parable. I think David Platt in his commentary on the book of Matthew helps us understand what Jesus is doing when he's laying this story next to a truth. And here's how David Platt puts it. He says, a parable is a practical story that illustrates a spiritual truth. Everybody say this with me. A parable is a practical story that illustrates a spiritual truth. So we're gonna see eight practical stories that the audience would have been light bulb moments for them. They know what he's talking about. And Jesus is laying beside these practical stories. He's laying aside, beside it these spiritual truths. So this is a, par a parable. And Jesus is going to teach these parables from now on. He's using parables as a means to teach the people. But what's interesting about this section of Matthew 13 is that these parables have a specific focus because seven out of the eight parables are going to use the term the kingdom of heaven look look with me in your bibles go to verse um 20 or yeah let's do 24 he says this the kingdom of heaven may be compared to look at verse 31 the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed verse 33 the kingdom of heaven is like uh, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like. Verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is like. Verse 47, the kingdom of heaven is like. Verse 
uh, 52, the kingdom of heaven is like. So when you're studying the Bible and you see a term that is repeated over and over again, that's a good clue for us that he's trying to get us to focus on something. And in this instance, he's getting us to focus on the kingdom of heaven. So he's saying, I'm going to use these practical stories to illustrate a spiritual truth about the kingdom of heaven. So what is the kingdom of heaven then? The kingdom of heaven, here's how I would define the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven represents the rule and reign of Jesus the king, both now in our hearts and in the future over everyone and everything. Say this with me. The kingdom of heaven represents the rule and reign of Jesus the King, both now in our hearts and in the future over everyone and everything. So when you see the term kingdom of heaven over the next three weeks in Matthew chapter 13, that's what your mind should go to. What is referred to sometimes is the already not yet idea. That Jesus has set up his rule and reign in our hearts. And one day he will physically set up his rule and reign over everyone and everything. So when he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, this is what he's talking about. One more question before we get to the parable that I think we need to answer today is this. Why did Jesus speak in parables? Why didn't he just keep talking directly to them in straightforward language? Here's what you need to do. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why all of a sudden now is he switching to this idea of parables? Well, you guys are such an inquisitive audience, just like the disciples were, because the disciples asked Jesus the same question in verse 10. Look at verse 10 of Matthew 13. When the disciples came to Jesus, or came and said to him, now the picture here is Jesus is sitting in the boat teaching to the people. His disciples are more than likely sitting in the boat with them. They tug on Jesus' robe and they're like, hey, why are all of a sudden you teaching in parables? And Jesus answers them in this boat that they're sitting in, in verse 11. He answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets That word could be translated mysteries. So it's not a secret in the sense that nobody can find it. It's a mystery in the sense that Jesus died for, was going to die for our sins, be buried and rise again. And they would believe in it. That's the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, and who is the them? Who do you think that the them would be? The them is the Pharisees and scribes. The ones that Jesus has been calling to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew chapter 11 and 12, those who have been coming to him and they're not believing what he's saying, but he's trying to continue to get the message across. That is the them in this passage. For to the one, verse 12, who has, who's receiving the message will be given and he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, who's rejecting the message, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see. Think about what the messages from the past weeks with the Pharisees. Jesus is being very clear with them. Something greater than the temple is here. And they're like, I don't see it. Something greater than Jonah is here. No, I'm still not tracking with you. Something greater than Solomon is here. And they're like, nope, still don't see it, right? That's what he's saying is happening to them. 
that seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. It's not getting to their heart. Indeed, he said, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled. And what did Isaiah say? You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but you will never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. So what he is saying is the reason for parables is to reveal the hearts of the listeners. That he's going to speak in this idea of illustrating a spiritual truth by putting a, a practical story beside it. He's saying, I'm doing this to reveal the hearts of those that are listening to me. That either some, as we're going to see in the parable of the soil, are going to receive it and they're going to produce fruit in their life or others are going to reject it and continue to go down the path of rejection. But I love what Jesus says to his disciples in verse 16 and 17. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus says to his disciples, man, you guys are super blessed. You get to see and to hear what Isaiah the prophet longed to see and hear. You get to see the kingdom of heaven. You get to see the Messiah come and set up his rule and reign in our hearts. You get to see that, and people longed to see that. You guys, man, you're super blessed. He gives us one other uh, reason for parables in verses 34 and 35, and this is Todd's section. And so Todd can just scan over this next Sunday. He doesn't have to spend time here. But verses 34 and 35 says this, all these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will pour out, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. So simply put, Jesus says, I'm a fulfillment of prophecy. You've been waiting for the Messiah and I'm teaching in parables because this is one of hundreds of prophecies that are being fulfilled in me. And one of them is I'm going to teach in parables. So he, he taught in parables to open the eyes of the hearts of those who couldn't see so that they could see, right? He was revealing the hearts of the listeners and he was doing it to fulfill prophecy. Now, let's get to the first parable that begins in verse Three. And I, I need you to listen with intentionality today because I'm not going to take time to explain it um, because we, we got to move really fast. So here, here's Jesus' first parable in verse three. A sower went out to sow. Everybody with me so far, right? Like check, got that. I see what's happening here. A sower pulling seed out of his bag to throw it on the ground. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them and other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the first parable. The parable, my, my 
translation, or my heading says the parable of the sower. I think that's a, not a good uh, analogy. I think it's the parable of the soil. Because his point is going to be the four different soils that he brings up. And so when Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, what he is saying to them is this. Are you listening? Do you hear what I am saying? Those who have ears to hear, let him sit here. He says, do you really hear what I am saying? Then in verse 18, jump with me there, Jesus actually explains this first parable to us so that we can see the spiritual truth that he's laying alongside this practical story. Look at verses 18 through verse 23. Hear then the parable of the sower. Jesus talking to his disciples. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what is sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, he immediately falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, and he indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So Jesus says, here's the explanation for this parable. And what we see is that the word is the seed that is being sown. Okay? So when you see the picture, you're seeing that the word is what is the seed that is being thrown out. The sower is Jesus Christ in this context. For us, it is those who share the word. It is his disciples eventually. But in this context, Jesus is the one that is sowing the seed. And what he's saying is it's fallen on four types of heart. The path, the, the shallow heart, it, it's fallen on the thorny heart, and it's fallen on good soil. So he gives us these four different types of hearts. When Jesus shares this parable with the crowd and explains it to the disciples, imagine for them in this moment that the light bulb is coming on for them because they're seeing why everyone is not responding to the message of the kingdom. Because they are confused at why the king, everybody's not bowing down to him and doing what he says. Why is as Jesus is casting the seed of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why is not everyone receiving that seed? Well, for them in this moment, the light bulb should have been coming on that there's different types of hearts. As he is casting the seed on to these people's lives, it is falling on different hearts. Jesus is showing us the response people will give to the word of God based off the condition of their heart. He is showing them why the Pharisees and scribes are rejecting them. The problem is not with the message, the seed. The problem is not with the messenger. If Jesus had just been a better teacher, the problem is the soil. The problem is the heart. 
So the seed meets the soil for us today in our response to the word of God. Maybe today the light bulb will come on for you in this moment in the reality that you don't need a better message. You don't even need a better messenger. Sorry. You need to check the soil of your heart. And so the question is, which soil are you? How are you responding to the word of God? How are you responding to the message of the kingdom of heaven? We can look at the crowd and the religious people of Jesus' day and say, how did they miss what was right in front of them? And yet we may be doing the same thing in our response to the word. Because I would say this to you, all four, soil, all four of these soils are represented in this room today. There's not one person in this room or watching online that can say, I'm not, I don't fall into any of those categories. He didn't give that option. He said, these are the four soils that as the word of God is being cast onto the hearts of people. It's not the messenger and it's not the message. It's the heart. Since the soil represents our heart, which one are you? What is your heart like? Let me review them quickly as you think about it. Is your heart the heart of verse 19 that is a hard heart? Where the word doesn't even go into the soil because it's so hard to the Lord and to his word? That person will walk out of this room and say, I don't believe that trash. And I'm not going to follow Jesus. That, that's that first soil. Just a straight rejection of, that's why it says the bird comes in. The evil one comes in and snatches the word out of their heart. Takes the seed away. Because it's a, a straight on rejection of the word of God. And listen, if you're that person in the room today, I love you. And I'm so glad you're in this room today. You're at the best place that you can be at with a hard heart. And I want you to know that I want you to keep coming with your hard heart. Keep coming. I'm good if you're like, I don't believe it. It's all trash. Keep coming. And I'm going to keep casting the seed of the word of God on your heart. And here's the cool thing about Jesus. Is he can take a hard heart and turn it into a soft heart. And if you want to know that, here's what I challenge you to do. Go read the book of Acts. And you're going to come across a guy's story by the name of Saul. And his heart was so hard to the Lord that he was taking Christians and having them killed. That's how much he hated the message of Jesus. And in a moment, Jesus reached down and captured his heart and took out the heart of stone and he put in a heart of flesh and his life was never the same. And Jesus will do the same for you. And so if you have a hard heart today, man, stay here. Keep coming. I love you. 
The second heart that we see is a rocky soil heart. I would refer to this as a shallow heart. They receive the word, but they reject it because it gets hard to follow the Lord. Persecution, testing comes in their life. Here's how this would happen. You come to church on Sunday, you hear the word, you're moved by the word, the, 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 the seed of the word goes into your heart and on Monday you're living good, right? You can feel the word at work and it's beginning to grow in your heart. Then Tuesday gets a little bit tougher to follow the Lord and this is a little bit harder and by Wednesday the wheels are coming off the bus, right? And by Friday you've forgotten even how the word had moved you on Sunday. That's a shallow heart. Is that your heart? That you come and you hear the word and there's this motivation to leave and be different because of Jesus in your life, but it just lasts till Tuesday or Wednesday and by Sunday we're back in that cycle again. Let's, I'm here today, I want to hear the word, but by Wednesday it's done. That, that's the kind of heart that is the rocky soil. It's a shallow heart. The, the, the third one is the thorny soil. And I, I would consider this to be a distracted heart. They receive the word, but they get too busy with life, the cares of this world, which takes us back to Jesus' sermon in Matthew chapter 6. Remember where he talks about don't let the cares of this world lay, uh, weigh you down, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So this is a heart that, yes, receives the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches begin to choke out the word so that it can't have its full effect in your life. They hear the word, but they're too busy to live out the word. If I'm honest with you, this is where it landed for me this week in my own heart. Is I have a distracted heart. And let me tell you how I saw this in my life this week. And I, I had a good friend come up to me after the first service and he was like, hey, I think you have a good heart. But I think yours is the last soul. But, and I, I, I do, I, I pray that the Lord has worked in my heart that I, I do produce fruit in my life. But I've seen lately in my life, verse 22, of a distracted heart. And, and here's how. I typically get up at 5.30 in the morning and make coffee uh, for my wife, and I drink it as well, uh, but I, I make coffee. And then I sit down to do my Bible reading and prayer time. And a few years ago, I went from a 365-day reading plan because I needed grace in my life, and I found that those caused me to be legalistic in my Bible reading, so I'd get behind, and then I would just have to get caught up so I could check the boxes off instead of, having grace built into my schedule. So, so I do a five-day-a-week reading plan, so when I miss a day, I don't feel overwhelmed with legalism and the law. I can miss a day and still finish in a, a span of a week. And so I do this five-day-a-week reading plan. And what I do to, again, keep me focused is I have a journal, and I write the date that I do my reading. I write what I read. I write a verse that stuck out to me from my reading so that when I'm reading, I'm staying focused. It's not just to check a box. It's so that I can see what the Lord is trying to speak to me through his word. And I write, handwrite that word out. And then I write a thought. Just, again, not, it's, this is not, I'm not writing a sermon. I just wrote a thought of that, that verse stuck out to me because God is gracious and kind and just something like that. And then I write a quick prayer. And here's, here's why I say my heart is a thorny heart at times and a distracted heart. So 5.30 in the morning, you know, 6-ish, we're spending time with the Lord and then life happens. 
get ready, you work out, you go take your kids to school, you have meeting, 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 lunch meeting, 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 meeting. You pick up your son from football practice, you go from football practice with a stinky junior high boy to a volleyball game and sit with him, you know, and it's like, somebody needs to take a shower. And you sit through a volleyball game, right, and it's eight o'clock, 8.30 at night, you go home, you do your stuff at home when you're getting ready for bed, you do devotions together as a family, and then I'll go to bed at night and when I lay my pillow, my head on my pillow, I can't remember what the verse that I wrote down. And why? Because I got a distracted heart. Because the cares of this life, and I don't think I'm being deceived by the riches, but I think there can be an idol of family and there can be an idol in my heart of other things that I, I can't even remember what I did at 5.30 in the morning of receiving the word because I've allowed the cares of this life, I've allowed the studying for Sunday to distract me from what God was planting the seed of the word in my heart in the morning. So maybe for you, you're like me and you hear the word. And you love the word. But the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of the riches can choke out the word's work in your life. The last soil is the good soil. It receives the word and understands it. That means believes it and lives it out. Jesus said this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, the seed of the word is gonna fall on good soil and it's gonna come out in your life. How is it gonna come out? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. Those things are gonna become more and more evident in our life because the word has taken root in our heart. And so my question for you is which soil are you? How are you responding to the word of God. Father, thank you for this opportunity to study Matthew 13 and see the parables that you would use to bring about spiritual truth so that those who had eyes to see could see and those who have a, a heart to, to hear it would, would hear it. And I pray, Lord, as we study these and specifically this first one, that you would give us good soil that produces fruit. That we would have a heart that receives the word and understands it and then lives the word out. That fruit would be evidence in our life because of the word's work. And for those of us in the room today that would fall into a hard heart, a shallow heart or a distracted heart, May we be willing, Lord, to agree with you that that's where our heart is. And in agreeing with you, may we turn the other way and move towards a good heart that is good soil that will produce fruit in our lives. Only you can do the work in our hearts in this way. It is only your word that can produce fruit in our lives. So please help us to be a church family that has good soil so that we will be a light in the world around us, so that we'll be the salt of the earth as you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to antiochbbc.com.
bbc.org. That's Antioch, bbc.org. God's best to you.